Hey, how you doing? So if you know me at all, you know that for a long time I've been wanting to do a car show. And I've made quite a few attempts at it. I've done a few shows, but nothing that really, you know, really stuck that I was able to stick with and do repeatedly. And even though I've had no real success at making it work, I just, I can't seem to let go of it. I can't seem to stop thinking about it. And so a lot of the time, you know, when you see me kind of uh, wandering off like I'm sitting there but I'm not there, it's because I'm thinking about a car show. And the reason I'm telling you about this now is because I think I got it figured out. I think, I think I have finally figured out what my show should be and how I can do it. It just came to me. I was sitting right there in that chair just zoning out and it occurred to me that the one thing, not the one thing, but one of the biggest things that I really enjoy about being a car guy and doing car stuff is sitting around talking with other car guys. Just sitting around with some buddies after work having a beer. Talking about the old days, talking about funny stories, talking about car stuff, talking about cars. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's only interesting to me, but I sure enjoy it and I think you might too. So that's what I'm going to do. And you know, no time like the present, I went over and saw my buddy Josh Fuller. Um, Josh is a car detailer. He used to paint, he's done customizing, fabrication, all kinds of car stuff. He is a serious car guy at the top of his game right now. And I think it was kind of a fun conversation, but uh, you know, it's probably a little ragged as far as podcasts and this kind of thing go, because we're just getting started. But I hope you'll bear with me. See what you think of this one and uh, watch the next one and just see how we go along. Um, watch it, it's just start right now. So I'm not doing no intro or nothing, it's just the podcast. So you know, I guess I'll introduce you like in the, the intro or something. But I am curious though how you got started. You want years, days? <laughs> no, but Why? you were doing well no. I, I I do want a little bit of history. We can go okay. fast, but um, Kid, first car kind of thing. First time you realized you're a car guy. First time I realized I was a car guy. Oh, it's probably freshman year in high school. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I knew I was a car guy because I wasn't riding my bike to school and I wasn't taking the bus. Uh -huh. So at that time I didn't have a car, but I had a street legal motorcycle my grandpa gave me. Uh huh. So I rode that to school whenever I could. Uh huh. I wasn't running from the cops <laughs> on it. Nice. <laughs> took all the auto classes and I was yeah. fortunate because um, in my high school we had not just the, the mechanic side of things but we had a full working paint booth and a body shop and full works. Whole oh, wow. Yeah so and with the shop teacher he would uh, buy old beat up Mustangs or Firebird Trans Ams uh -huh. and stuff like that. You know 50s, 60 cars. Uh -huh. I even did an old, uh, did the whole bed, worked on a wood bed made the whole thing for like an old Ford pickup. Yeah. Did all the clear coating on it and all that stuff. And wet wow. sanded it down, polished it, and did all that. But he would have the shop kids work on these cars and he'd flip them. So uh -huh. he'd get these cars already done by a bunch of kids at shop. Nice. So we were all learning stuff. Yeah. And he was making money. So it, it was. I did that for three years of high school. Do you remember anything you worked on other than a pickup? Uh, worked on a 1969. Uh, Firebird Trans Am had a uh, uh, 455 and yeah. four speed. Uh -huh. um, that his son bought. It was a 12 second car. Um, worked on a full 
like we scraped down like a not a 60, a 94, 95, maybe 96 Chevy pickup. Uh-huh. My junior year. Uh -huh. Pulled all the wiring and everything, or they he did. Uh -huh. We had to rewire the whole thing. Yeah. It's spools of wire? Well no, no. <laughs> the wire and the harness and everything, but everything had to go back where it was. Where it was sensors. Uh -huh. Not compared to what there is, is today. But still. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I did a uh, Mustang fastback. Now I remember this thing because it came in, he bought it, and the whole roof was like caved in. Uh -huh. And he wanted us, and this was my freshman year in high school, sophomore year, and he wanted us to learn how to do use Bondo. Uh -huh. So we filled that whole thing with Bondo like that. <laughs> so, so, because like the idea with Bondo is that you get it as close as you can, you make it perfect with that. Yeah. But back in the day, people may not know, like in yeah. the eighties, it wasn't that. You would just take no. it. Just, Slap it off. Yeah, I mean, some of the older cars, like later on, and uh, I started working on these cars, like when I was stripping a car down and taking it down to metal. Uh, you can tell, like when uh, when you work on a, a car that when Bondo first got big, uh, like when they made it to the point where you could actually use it instead of lead work, because cars would be filled with Bondo so freaking thick. Like I mean, the whole thing was Bondo. Yeah, they just they didn't pull out anything. They just. I mean, I've done stuff like where uh, corner pin, uh, the, the bottom corners of like a um, like a '56 Chevy or '56 uh -huh. Ford, the uh -huh. bottom in the back there, those always rotted out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, guys would throw in, uh, they throw some chicken wire, chicken wire behind, shove it all in with freaking newspaper, uh -huh. and then fill it with bondo, like they were stuck going a house. Or uh -huh. Yeah, I remember that. Or you look in the back of the trunk of a car, and it just be. All mangled on the side, but they still look quiet on the outside because they mondoed in those products. Yeah, yeah they use a ton of mondo. Huh. I mean, they wouldn't even weld stuff up, they just fill holes with mondo. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how I got started, anyways. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, uh, doing the paint work and then buffing and polishing, you know, it all is part of it. And that's all stuff I learned, you know, by my sophomore year of high school. I was, you know, pretty decent at doing all that stuff. and. Um, I had a, my first vehicle was uh, a truck my dad gave me. Uh -huh. It was a 76 Ram Charger. Yeah. Um, big, it was a 360, but it was a built 360. Oh, yeah. Okay. And they were factory all wheel drive, um, but it had a high lock, low lock. And uh, I used to go out where we lived, there's a lot of dairies and farms and stuff like that. And, uh -huh. Bunch of rich dairy kids would be driving with their, you know, big old trucks with their 44s on. And at lunchtime, guys were always getting stuck. They give me a call. Yeah, can you come pull us out? I was sitting on freaking like Desert Builder 31. That truck, it was heavy. I think that was part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, that's like a blazer looking truck. You can't kind of a short wheelbase, too. I think that makes a difference. Big difference. But I take that thing and I'd go in this thick old mud where this lifted truck with 44s and stuff uh -huh. and yank them right out every time. <laughs> nice! Um, but the first truck I bought on my own was a, uh, it was the end of my sophomore year. It was a 67 short white Chevy pickup. Oh, nice. What color? It was uh, white with black scallops. That's what it, what it was. Did you put single ones or like multiple scallops? Oh, it was three. It was went from big at the bottom and kind of smaller at the top uh -huh. and then the hood had two smaller ones and then a big center one. Uh -huh. Did they come out where to do all that? No, that's how it was when I got it. Yeah, that's how it was. And 
my main thing on that truck was uh, was just make it as fast as I can. Had a yeah. granny four speed with a 400 small block four bolt main unit. Uh -huh. And the first thing I did was build the motor. And I had, uh, I put a pop-up, not pop-up pistons, I put flat tops in it. Uh -huh. And I took the fat, it was a four bolt main, 400 small. Uh, so it, it had, uh, I put six inch rods on it. Uh, I put flat top pistons, got rid of the 76 cc open chamber heads and put a set of 64. The first set of heads I put on was a set of 64 old Corvette Camelback heads. Oh, uh -huh. yeah. Steel cast iron, yeah. 202 valves, uh, full race cam in it. So it was like a 292, 305 duration, solid lift cam. And it sounded like a cam on wheels. I mean, oh, it sounded yeah. wicked. Uh, uh, solid lifters too, on it. Yeah, so 11 and a half to one compression. Jesus. Um, it, was, it was built. But of course, you know, I had this transmission that was a granny four speed. Uh -huh. And then I had a 373 open, open, rear end in it, but did a lot of racing and beat a lot of people in that uh -huh. truck with that granny four speed. And the next thing I did was uh, change the rear end, put a uh, 411 posi track, and then did a full build transmission. And uh, back then, like the only guys that I knew that had badass like reverse manual valve body transmissions, like drag transmissions, uh -huh. was the Mopar guys with the 727 torque flights. Yeah. And there's a company that made a valve body, a cheetah valve body, and uh, it was for the Mopars. But I went and had um, a guy that was a pretty badass uh -huh. transmission dude. Yeah. He took one of those cheetah reverse manual valve bodies uh -huh. and reworked my 350 turbo transmission uh -huh. valve body the exact same way. So. It oh, he just used that to see how it worked, and he made the Turbo 350 do the same thing. Yeah, that thing was. Oh, oh, wow. It would. It would. I had the small back. My '67 was a small back window. Yeah. And like that thing. Once I had the posi in there, and then I had uh, the the suspension set up and everything. I mean, people would would split the back of their dome on that middle <laughs> back end. So you do you know, have like some kind of four-link setup in there? What did you do for the suspension? Uh, it was all the well, you know, from a factory, those had trailing arm suspension. Oh. And then they had the coils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, I did several different things over the years. Uh, I stole a lot of sh a lot of stuff from Mopar because uh -huh. Mopar's back in the day they had that pinion snubber that sat on the front of the pinion. Yeah. Well, I bought one of those uh -huh. and put it on my truck, but. Um, I bought a newer style, which was adjustable, and then I, I welded a plate at the on the bed of the truck. Is that to keep it from winding up? It's to keep it. What would happen is uh, it would create load onto the pinion. So oh. when you accelerate, and you go to get on it when that the suspension drops it's, down. Because it's torquing it to one wheel, and the other even with a posi. Yeah, well, it it got rid of that twist, and so it was it would launch, and a lot of Mopars, and I put a 1090 racing shocks up front. Uh -huh. So like when the truck took off, it jumped. Well, typically, but with the pinion snubber, the whole thing would lift up because oh. when it hit that pinion, yeah. it just, and it, it, it launched it for a truck. It, 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 <laughs> you know, uh -huh. you know, it wouldn't smoke tires like they did, but I mean, it was the fastest truck in my hometown for wow. many, many years. Uh -huh. nice. yeah. But uh, then, you know, it was, I did a lot of buffing on that thing until I buffed the paint off. <laughs> But it was old crappy paint anyways, uh, and then it just started fading work. every couple months on yeah. it. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, I did all the body work on it, welded all the stake pockets up, shaved all the trim off of it, um, took the rain gutters off, chopped it three quarters of an inch, and 
Did all kinds of things. Oh, that's classy. Just a little bit. Well, you had to do that because the rain gutters, they had a weird seam on it. Oh. So when you chop it down, you can get rid of that seam. I got you. I did a little swoop and filled that little edge around the top and, um, you know, just welded everything up. It was on the ground, pretty low. It was nice. It was my baby. But I loved that truck. Yeah. What happened to it? Sold it. Traded it for a Toyota MR2. Blew the motor in it. Uh -huh. I worked, uh, it was my only truck. Uh -huh. had to, I had a kid, so I was still young with a kid and had to work full time. Uh -huh. And uh, so I needed something with uh, gets decent gas mileage. And so I threw a 383 in the mine to get it running that I had laying around. Uh -huh. uh, but it just wasn't a very good motor. And some kid came by one day with a Toyota MR2 first gen. Yeah, so I never ever knew what the hell the car was, but I took it for a spin and it was kind of cool. And oh, there's, there's a sweet little car. It got a hell of a good gas mileage. Yeah. Um, well, it was a turbo, supercharged, whatever. The good looking one before they squared them off, right? No, it was square. Oh, wait, the square was first, then they went to that Yeah, round. then they went to the round. Oh, okay, okay. okay. But, yeah. uh, you know, I worked an hour and a half away from my hometown and I had a truck that was. Yeah. there. It wasn't like that. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it was even 
on the top five largest things that happened in Vegas. You know? Yeah. Uh -huh. It was just small. We went there because the owner of the shops, you know, back then people would get good deals on products, so they would buy products. Yeah, it was a tra it was a trade show. Yeah, it was you would go there to meet everyone. It's not quite like libraries anymore. Right now. now it's you know more of a show show. Well, they got a public day now. Do they really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm, don't they probably because I wasn't there for that year. But they, they it's probably like they had like Friday opened. The uh, now they got all that stuff. They got the ship, the cruises. And, yeah, you know they got <laughs> that drifting stuff. And, it's a big, it's a big show now. Yeah. It's not what it used to be, but yeah, that's. Uh, so that was, but you've been working. You worked at quite a few jobs before you got into into car into car business. No, Actually, as a living, or was that your one of your first jobs? Well, my first job was I I was a heavy equipment operator in a rock plant. Uh -huh. That was when I was uh, just turned seventeen. Uh -huh. I stopped going to high school. I got my girlfriend at the time knocked out. So I quit going to high school. I just stopped going. I didn't knock anybody up. The same no, story. I stopped going. <laughs> but I graduated because I went to high school. Yeah, I, I did. So I, I went over, I was working in this rock quarry in a town called Kalinga. Uh -huh. It was about an hour and a half away from my house and I'd get up. Was it near Tulare? Tulare? Tulare. Yeah. yeah. I'd, get up, I'd get up at 3.30 every morning uh -huh. and drive to work and by 5 I, I had to be, I had to have my truck all inspected because it was one of those big giant earth movers, like yeah. the big ones. Yeah. I do my check all my lug nuts, do all my investigating and making sure everything's working yeah, right. Yeah, they go through every time for air. Every day. And, uh, you know, uh, and then I would drive that thing for 12 hours to 14 hours a day, nonstop, uh -huh. um, except for to take a lunch. Uh -huh. And even at my lunch, I was taking the lunch in the truck, probably uh -huh. down in the quarry or something. Uh -huh. It's wherever you stop at 12, you learn how to get and then go. Yeah. Huh. And, uh, um, that's what I did for uh, quite a while, and then uh, they, I worked at that shop until, or that plant, uh -huh. until they decided they were going to close the plant down because it was out of rock, it wasn't producing enough rock uh -huh. anymore. Uh -huh. And uh, then I, uh, for a short time I, I built trusses, um, you know, roofing trusses. Yeah, 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 yeah. For houses or for big yeah, buildings? For houses. Yeah, oh, that was a nightmare. I hated that job. <laughs> Yeah. But after those two jobs, you know, the rest of my life it's been in professionally working in um, automotive paint and uh -huh. stuff like that. You were on a show, were you? Did it, it ever happen? happen? It, they did a, uh, the pilot, they did a bunch of filming. That guy got busted. Uh -huh. So doing some not so, not so good some stuff. Nefarious. Some nefarious stuff. But it, the company was going around a little bit after I had left, uh -huh. um, but yeah, he did some some messed up stuff, screwed a lot of his employees. That could have been one of the largest uh, custom shops in the United States uh -huh. if he didn't screw that up. He had, he had that thing was uh, two city blocks. Wow! So uh, that might have been the show. You might be. <laughs> yeah, that was, Josh from that show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anybody ever caught that. I've actually looked for that pilot, but. Um, it's hard to find that old I found it once years ago, but I haven't seen it since. But I mean, that guy got locked up in federal pen. Penitentiary. Do you think he's still in there? Uh, he's probably he's out right by now. <laughs> he's probably out now. But yeah, he, he really screwed people. I mean, we had guys showing up with uh, car hauling trucks that like you see at the dealership with yeah, all the cars uh, on the racks. People with old hot rods wanting to get them restored. Full, that whole trailer full of those types of cars, drop them off. 
when I could look, you know, we'd look in the shop in the back 40, we called it, and we had, you know, 20 cars that needed to get done already. And, you know, it wasn't like we were doing restorations in a week or two. No. We were taking, you know, maybe maybe six months, a year, year and a half. But he's like, never say no. Take yeah. them in. We'll get yeah, the deposit. Yeah, I caught up to them. That's yeah. Sure but, yeah, I learned a lot from a lot of those guys. There was a... There's some good guys in there that did some pretty badass work. Um, but like, I mean, when I worked at, the first place I worked at, that production shop, um, the old timer in there, you know, he taught me lead work and stuff like oh, that. Oh, wow. Spoon lead and, uh -huh. and stuff like that. Uh -huh. And uh, I carried that on to other places I worked, you know. So then doing like chopping channel and stuff like that, and yeah. making, making the shockers over tube into the, the antenna thing. Oh, oh like fringing in. Yeah. We took a uh, 1956 Nomad, uh -huh. uh, two of them, uh -huh. and cut them in half, and we put that that Nomad. We added a, a center section. It was, uh -huh. I want to say it was six, but it might have been seven inches uh -huh. from front to back. And so you got to understand, bumpers were enlarged, grills were enlarged, yeah. windshields had to be made, glass had to be yeah. made. Well, we widened that seven inches just so the owner of those Nomads could put that car on a newer uh, Z06 chassis. <laughs> so you made the car fit onto a Corvette chassis? Onto a Corvette chassis. Wow. Yeah. Huh. It, was, uh -huh. it was nice. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of work and those jobs can't be done in six weeks. No, you know, no. Yeah, stuff like All that. that. I mean, we had a, uh, I remember we had a, uh, Low numbers, what was it, 52, mm -hmm. 53 Corvette, the very first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, six uh, cylinder car. Yeah, six cylinder, turbocharged six yeah. cylinder. Really? Yeah, it was a turbocharged six cylinder. Yeah. And it had, uh, still had the wire mesh on the, on the glass, uh -huh. on the headlights and yeah, stuff. Yeah, uh -huh. and I got to work on that a little bit. That was pretty cool. We had an old, uh, uh, what was that? The ding, it was on the all lunar 1960 something, or maybe 57. Um, Lotus? No. Oh, like a Lotus 7 or? A, it was old, yeah. all aluminum. That was just haggard, and we had to work on that. That thing was crazy working on that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different cars I've worked on over the years. So, did a little bit of production, then you got into customs pretty early, though. Yeah, I was 20 years old. I started doing custom stuff. So, uh -huh. you know, I hated production. Yeah. It wasn't me. Good uh -huh. So when we met, was that the first time you got into detailing? Is no, detailing? I, you've done no. some detailing before. I mean, yeah, I actually uh, for a little bit. So I worked. I worked at that production shop I was telling you about, and then I worked there for a year, and then I went over to a, a Ford dealership that we specialized in SVTs. Okay. Uh -huh. And I was. Uh, so like the, 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 the trucks and the Cobra Mustangs yeah, and that's, that's it. it. Same as Cobras and, and the Lightning. Lightning truck, yeah. And uh, so we were, I was working over there and there was a, a Mexican dude that, that was a painter in there, pretty badass dude. Uh -huh. And he taught me a lot of stuff too. He taught me a lot of like, um, like how to make things go faster but still not cut the corner. Yeah. And be more efficient, I guess. Yeah, be more efficient. Yeah. And so I worked there painting with him 
for about six months and they closed the paint shop down there. Mm -hmm. And I went to the de their detail department. Oh, at the dealer. This um, is the SPT dealer still. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And this was, that was, uh, oh, that actually might have been before I worked at, it's been so many years. Yeah. Can't remember if I worked there before I worked at the other production shop. One was a claim, the other was the, the Ford dealership. Yeah. I think it was the Ford dealership first because I was there back in 98. Yeah, okay. So 98 to 99 I was there. Yeah. Well, you thought it was like 2000 maybe when you went to SEMA, so that it was... Yeah, SEMA so was yeah, that's, so that's right. right. I was yeah. there first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was working in the detail department there and uh, buffing the cars. And we actually did full wet sands. Uh -huh. uh, we had a multi-thousand multi dollar um, reverse osmosis water system so it wouldn't spot. Yeah. You know, full wash bay uh -huh. and all the, I never did interiors though. Huh? I always did. Yeah. I worked there for six months and never touched an interior. All I did was wet sand and correcting cars. Was there a lot of pan cars back then? On the factory cars or was it mostly? Well, I, I don't know if it was any more than what it is today. Um, I didn't use a paint gauge back then. <laughs> but, you know, now you, people are saying that, you know, you shouldn't wet sand cars, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, which is a whole nother story. I helped out a guy, a buddy of mine that's got a body shop and they got some, some dirt into the paint. Like sand that out. I'm like, yeah, that, like that's not happening. It's going through. You know, it's just like, well, if it goes through, we'll repaint it. Just do what you can. So I just and it's like it took longer than I thought to get through the clear, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was still, I mean I, I knew I was going through, so I didn't have this like, yeah. you know, holy shit when you go through it. I just it's just like, yeah, there's there's more than you I guess you're taking off less than you think is what well, it is. Well see when we used to take dirt out of paint, we'd use a file. So never it's got a, it's a little file. Oh, wow. And it wouldn't go through the clear? I never went through the clear with uh, that stuff. Because they, well, this way done, they painted it. Then they got the, the or it had the, the, the thing was underneath probably or something, because it looked like it just went through and it still wasn't there. You yeah. know, but but just funny to see how clear was really on. It's like, well, it sucks when you're spraying a white car. Yeah. Like, there's not a booth in the world clean enough for a white car. You're always sanding dirt out. Yeah. You know, because dirt shows up on the white car. It's really bad. Just but jumps out at you. Yeah. So, yeah, you did a little detailing there, and then that was the last of the detailing until we met up when I don't even yeah. know what that was. That was 2010. 10? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 2010. Yeah. Yeah, and the only reason I went in there because I went across the street and he didn't uh, he didn't need a painter. Uh huh. And this I was uh, Tony. Yeah. The, yeah. The shop across. The yeah, street. yeah, yeah. And I seen him. Over there, uh, working in your shop. Yeah, uh, I thought they didn't know what the hell. No, they were doing, no, so. I was in so far over my head, I couldn't even see sunlight. <laughs> that was early on, man. You had just bought the place, didn't you? Yeah. Well, you know that place was going down when I bought it. It was. Yeah, it had been a hard thing. It wasn't what it used to be. No. <laughs> oh, no. the car parts and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the car part thing. There'd been just. Uh, that business got real hard because of the internet, and not just because people were buying it on the internet instead of buying it there, but it, it led to uh, compression of the, the, you know, the it got more expensive, but you could sell it for less. So you had the margins, margin compression. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say, so it got gotten difficult to do. Yeah. I was I was wide eyed and naive. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So, but then that was about the time that the orbital was coming along as a, a thing you might actually do. 
Yeah, you were pretty skeptical about it. I mean, in retrospect, I mean, were you? You think you were skeptical because it wasn't there yet, or it wasn't there? Yeah. I mean, you know, and as far as that goes with orbitals versus rotary and stuff like that, I mean, you know, I I'd always pick up a rotary and hit it with a rotary, and you know, back then there's no way, especially a quarter cable, would be able to do the quality of work in the time you could do it with. No way as far as time. I mean, if ever, but it was just no power. And you weren't, they hadn't figured out the pads or anything yet. Back at that time, they had those big thick pads like you use on a rotary, and you figure it's not, there's yeah, no, it's not a long there's throw. No, I think a, a quarter cable's got like an eight millimeter throw. Yeah. So well, if, we used it for wax. Yeah. Well, the other thing too was that the pad would absorb most of that oscillation because it was, you know, it was so, it was so thick. Yeah. Uh, but do you think it's there now? I mean, do you, do you use the rotary much? Um, I mean, I, for, for detail shop, yeah, I use the rotary a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, for, in general, compared to how I used to use it, hell no. Yeah. I mean, with the, with the Rupes 21, and, you know, I use 21, a 15, and then, you, you know, I got the Melee, if I have to use that, which is the direct drive, pretty much like a, a what is it, the 3401 flex, flex, yeah. 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 Um, that is it, going in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> I like those for headlights. Yeah, they work pretty yeah. good for headlights. But, but the, yeah, the, the main thing is, is the chemical compounds and polishes weren't there yet. Pads weren't there yet. Yeah. You know, the machines got there, and now the, pad, now the pads and the chemicals are all designed for those, mm -hmm. those machines. And every year, I noticed that, and the paints are changing too. Mm -hmm. You know, I think paints are getting softer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're getting softer because now it's really hard to finish down a car. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine trying to finish down like today? Like uh, I have bottles of jeweling compound. You know, little tiny those bottles I showed yeah. you earlier. Mm -hmm. You know that are like 60, 70 bucks. And I use that for just one step, step to yeah. finish. And, you know, it's a really good product and it works better than anything I've ever used. But like back in the day when I worked with you, I was using um, uh, Meguiar's Swirl Remover. Yeah. Okay? Uh -huh. That was a really good product. Yeah. That Swirl Remover, the same, if you had that bottle, uh -huh. it's still good from 2010 to now in 2019. That wouldn't finish down half the cars. Do you think they're not making the paint as much to save money? I think they use different chemicals in the paint to create. I think what they're doing now is they're less worried about swirls and more worried about paint chipping. So the paint is softer. Oh. So it doesn't chip. It's not as so it doesn't chip because you got two you got two sides of things. You can make a hard ass paint that's not gonna not gonna scratch. Yeah. It's more likely to chip and flake off. Sure. Or you can go to this side and make a, a super soft paint like. Rocker guard, have you ever felt that at the bottom yeah, of the yeah. car? Uh -huh. You yeah. stick your finger down. Yeah, because uh -huh. it's soft, but it ain't gonna chip. No. So right. I think they've they moved more over to this side sense. of the spectrum. Yeah. And then with the guys like me who hate looking at swirls and then, you know, black cars and especially 2016 to present black Chevy pickups. Yeah. They're really bad for that. Oh yeah. You know, they mar like with the finest polishes and stuff. But, you know, it's, it's something to do with them changing the chemical 
uh, chemicals of the paint, making them softer. You know. What do you think causes most of the swirls? I mean, is it someone buffing it or is it washing? What's the washing? Yeah, the drying. Drying is probably yeah. the big thing. I mean, I don't. Most people go through car washes or they use a brush or mm -hmm. something like that, and you know, I mean, just chews it up. Yeah, it just it scratches the crap out of it. You know, I mean, you go and use a car wash, especially here in Eugene. You go to any one of these car washes. The winter people probably washing their cars more. This is actually probably in the winter here. Sure, yeah. You know, there's all kinds of car washing that. That guy right before them just came up from the past. Uh, came down here, all that salt, all that pumice. Pumice. Yeah. They wash their car. That gets all stuck on that that those brushes. Yeah. Now those brushes are washing your brand new black Lexus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there you go. That's that's where those scratches come from. And even just washing a car by hand yourself, and you know, with the paints being softer now, and and everything. It's just. Here in Oregon, it's the worst paint I've ever seen on cars in my life. Yeah, it's a bad combination of stuff to the, the weather. I've never seen cars look so bad in my life. When I worked at that other detail shop, um, or even in the paint shops and stuff, I mean, we would repaint cars when they came in looking half as bad as some of the stuff we get in on a day. That's for a detail. <laughs> Make this shine, my man. Yeah, yeah you know, and it's, it's, it's just crazy. And then to be, Still getting cars that are brand new and sprayed in single stage up here, it blows my mind. I never, the only time I ever touched single stage down there is when we were spraying cars. Now you're talking just white cars or you're talking white or black? And so brand. black cars too. Cause yeah. you know, a lot of times that I think with the white, the natural white paint is really hard cause they're using silica or something like that. Whereas it's, you know, the color that makes it black tends to be a lot softer. Yeah, um, yeah. maybe, but. Yeah. You know, I just think it's crazy here in the Pacific Northwest to get a brand new car that's sprayed in single stage. Yeah. It just blows my mind, and it we've gotten it all the time. Really? Wow! Yeah. Wow! Huh? Yep. So, do you do you wash with car wash stuff? I use O and R for everything. <laughs> Me? Would you you still do? Do you use O and R? Do you no, I I'm a O and R is cool and all. I use that like um, if. I'll use O&R sometimes on the motorcycle dirt. Yeah. Um, I might have used it twice. So yeah, so when I say sometimes, that's a stretch. But, yeah. yeah um, I'm still a firm believer in soap. Yeah. Um, I like the sudsing of the soap. I think, you know, um, I, I get their whole encapsulation thing, uh -huh. and I use it more as a detailer spray. Yeah, well, that's over the. I'm usually pretty clean on the car, and that's what you know. It's, I like that because then I'll dry it with the Oppi Seal. Yeah. So I'll, I'll write, you know, rinse it on, and then Oppi Seal it up. It's nice when you can do the door jams and everything. You get the whole car done in like one step. So yeah. in your garage, in my garage, I don't have to get outside. Yeah. So, but I see. What so if you do that, when you're doing those washes, if you're doing like, do you ever do like a maintenance wash that like comes in, it's not getting detailed. You're, you're you're just washing the car and drying it. How do you do that as far as drying it? Do you use a synthetic heat or something? Or you, Right there, a little Ryobi blower. Oh, okay. So you just blow everything out. Yeah, blow it out. And I mean, I have drying towels that work really good. Uh -huh. And I mean, the only cars I'm usually washing are coated cars, uh -huh. anyways. So yeah. Oh, okay. My coated cars aren't scratching. They just they don't. What are you using that for? No, no, no. You wanna you wanna grab the. That one, that striped one is that, remember that aqua four that we made? So, yeah, just the 
don't know your business unless you can be walking through not paying attention and see something going wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like that. You're like, well, what are you doing there? <laughs> yeah. I guess you know it pretty well. <laughs> I've been faking it pretty good. <laughs> so the, the coatings, that was just kind of coming in too. Yeah, well, it was, but it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I was doing it before I started working with you because I did that on painted cars, on show cars that we did. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was like a high-end kind of thing before yeah. that. It wasn't super new. It, it wasn't it, 04 or 05. Yeah. No, when I first seen coatings. Yeah. Dealt with it. Um, but, uh, like, uh, I don't know if they, like, OptiCoat was the first true coating. Yeah, uh, ceramic coat. Yeah, you know, before that, they might have been more like a like a hybrid silica sealant. Yeah. Um, but as far as uh, or like an acrylic. Well, you had some sealants, and then you well, you had okay, your so wax Yeah. For instance, do you remember um, cloths? That's the one I was thinking of. I couldn't think of the name. Okay, of. So that kind of crossed the level of almost being a coating. I would say that cloths works as good, if not better, than like gloss coat. Yeah, yeah. Because for one, it's way cheaper. Way cheaper. It puts a way better slickness on it. And I mean, shit, for $24, you get that big old bottle that the you can do like 50 cars, 60 yeah. cars with. No, I remember I did that to that. To this day, gloss is still a good product. I yeah. think it's a good yeah. yeah. So there were some things that were like, kind of crossing the line from, from sealant to coating. They had some properties like that, but then there was some kind of acrylic things, wasn't there? Well, yeah. there was, you know, there was like cyanides and stuff like that in the 80s that were like supposed to be a coating, but were more an insurance product. It, and it's still an insurance product, and they still sell, like Harley-Davidson and, and Willamette Harley-Davidson. I guess Harley has a, has a, uh, has a, like a contract with cyanides, mm -hmm. you know? And, I mean, it's, I'll put my coating up against their product in yeah. the week, but it is. It's an insurance or it's a warranty money thing. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's like all the other dealerships. It's like when when we were using Silence uh -huh. and the the co the company, when the Silence first came out, and we would use those and the dealerships would use what they call a sealant when it wasn't, it was like a wax. Mm -hmm. And then right when we started using ceramic coatings, they started using a true sealant, mm -hmm. which, you know, it simonizes. Sure, yeah. And then there was that, there, well, there's all kinds of them that the dealers oh, use. tons, yeah, there's many as you can think yeah. of. Yeah, paint guard or whatever the hell yeah. that's called and all that stuff. But these guys now are calling their sealants ceramic coatings when they're not, I mean, yeah, you can go across the street to Connects and buy Meguiar's uh, ceramic spray sealant. Which is an amazing product. And I'm sure it is. But, oh, but it is not. Don't, <laughs> don't label something something yeah. that's not. Uh -huh. You know, it, it's just, and not all coatings are created equal. Yeah. I mean, when you go buy that ceramic coating on Amazon, you get three bottles for $33. Yeah. You think that's going to work as good as the product that... A, like a guy like me pays like 400, 600, yeah. 800. And more. you would use the other if it worked. It's like, you know, it. I mean, you can see the difference in it. You yeah. try it. I mean, it's, it's silly to think that, you know, oh, yeah. it's not like you're just charging 400 for the $10. You're paying mm. up for that stuff because there's stuff in there that's hard to make. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, all coatings, none of the coatings are created equal. I mean, even the professional grade coatings. Mm -hmm. You know, I would 
I would say I can count on one hand the the amount of coatings that I think are really good, and I'd have some extra fingers left. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, is it a get what you pay for situation, or some of the lesser ones good? Or um, you know, there's some the way the coating companies you got to think of it like this. I mean, the end of the end of the end of the day, they're all trying to make. Sure. And so um, when you when they first came out, Optico pretty much had the had the game line, and then um, they were the one. There was others, but they seemed to step ahead. Well, they like that they were you know not just in the, the quality of it, but their the way they presented themselves. They, well, it was an American-made product. Yeah, it was made here in the U.S. And they their their product the the basics, their chemical bonds of their product was different than everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, NanoShine came out around the same time, mm -hmm. but then they had an issue. There was something going on with them, because I remember following NanoShine back before they were uh, now Ceramic Pro. Uh -huh. yeah. And they would, uh, they were here, but they weren't that popular, and then they mm -hmm. disappeared. And then they came back relabeled to, you know, Ceramic yeah. Pro. So, there was coatings in Asia before here, right? Is that correct? I don't know about that. It seemed like they, they were probably using them over there first. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, the Ceramic Pro is the only Asian product that I use. Uh -huh. like, uh -huh. yeah. like ceramic coating, if I was to use it, which I rarely do. Uh -huh. um, you know, they, they have a really good, they have some really good products. Um, they're, they're, uh, sport is really mm -hmm. good. It's a spray stuff, spray, it's a spray ceramic coating. It's a ceramic spray sealant. So it's not a sealant though, I think it's more of a coat. Uh -huh. They call it a sealant. So uh -huh. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna no, put something, say something that it's not. They call it a sealant, but I've seen that stuff last for two years. So do you like spray it on and then you, you rub it in with a foam pad or how was the application? I, I, yeah, you can apply it, um, you can apply it by hand. Uh -huh. Some people will use, like get it, get the car wet, and then apply it. <laughs> Some people apply it with a wet sponge. Um, there's different ways that guys around here apply it, and um, without going too much into the way of applying it, because a lot of these guys they don't do it right. That's why it doesn't last two years. Uh, you know, I mean, they should watch the forums on ceramic. Sure, they can show them how to walk, how to do it right. But um, that's one problem with ceramic. I'm gonna put it out there like that, yeah. and you could use this. They're, they get they sell to too many people. Um, There's no reason a window tinner should be installing Ceramic Pro. No, no. He's a window tinner. Yeah. I don't I don't personally install window tint. Why? Okay. Because I'm a correction specialist. Yeah. You can't you can't focus on too many. If you're focused on everything, you're focused on nothing. Exactly. You know, and I mean having window tinners and and uh, you know just. Everybody that'll buy into the product that yeah. that hurts the product in the long run. I think it, might, it makes more money for the company, but for the guys trying to install it, yeah. that are really you know dedicated, dedicated want to do something. Yeah, it, it's hard for them because yes, on one hand they have a great advertising mm -hmm. um, platform, but giving the product to just about anybody who wants to buy into it. Will hurt the people on the on the local level. Sure, because if you have fifteen guys that are installing it and only one guy knows what he's doing, and the rest are just trying to make a buck, well, it's going to give 
a bad name to you know everyone. Absolutely. And that's what I don't like about a lot of the products. I, I consider ceramic coatings, and I think I told you this already. Yeah. It's a it's a double edged sword. Yeah. You know, on one hand, it's one it's the best thing that ever happened to this yeah. this uh, industry. Mm -hmm. Detailers make way more money than they ever they have. Can, it's sustainable because I mean, when I first started that shop, the math did not work. Yeah. Like you can't make a living doing straight up details. You have to do something special, and that made it where you could do a high end correction and seal it to hammer where it would stay correctly. Plus, yeah. make some money on something that was you know pretty quick, reasonably quick to do. You know, it wasn't the day's job. So, yeah. what coding? What's your what? What do you what? What are your big jobs, the jobs you're mostly doing? I mean, what, how does that? Uh, my big job is what I'm mostly doing. Yeah, what are, what are you focused on? I'm focused on uh, basically just ceramic coatings, mm -hmm. paint protective film, mm -hmm. and true high-end paint corrections. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'll take it to any level that the customer wants to pay for. I mean, the full wet sands, the concourse details, which isn't quite the full correction, but more of a very, very intense detail, which yeah, you know, a lot of people don't really get what a concourse detail is. Every nook and cranny, everything, just not, no time. You don't do not do something because you don't have time. Is that would you say like you'll take the time it needs to do whatever it needs to be done? Yes, but you do you spend more time doing the actual cleaning. Right. Detailing. Uh -huh. you know, paint correction and detailing are two different sure, things. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, and with the concourse, it's not so much the paint correction, it's more the, the fine-tuned detail. Now, if you want to go into museum quality detail, it's everything. That's the making the paint look perfect. That's making every screw, every nut and bolt clean as can be in the interior, absolutely spotless. You know, so there's different types of details. Of course, we live in the Pacific Northwest. How many concourse details are you going to do? Well, that car is, well, once you do that, that car is now a, a toy, right? It's, it's, you put it on a shelf. If yeah, you actually want to drive in your car. I did do a close to concourse, I considered it a museum quality mm -hmm. um, for the sports car shop down uh -huh. on a 76 240Z. And that, you uh -huh. can go down there right now and look at it, and that car is, it's on. Think that car will ever burn gas again? <laughs> I don't know. I like that car. It was a nice car. I love those cars. Oh they God. are nice. Of course, they're, they're probably molested. Throw a freaking <laughs> LS1 in. Uh, well, they're a neat car because you can do stuff to them. And they're simple enough that you. Because I got a 300ZX. You don't want to do anything to it because it's just so brittle. It's so hot under there. It's so complicated. And it's just like just leave it like it is. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I took all of all the emblems off the trim, stripped it down, cleaned everything. Put it all back together. Did the whole engine detail, steam, and everything. You don't want to go in a car like that and pressure wash it. I don't even know if you want to use a hose on something like that when you've got all those little areas up where water can get caught. Yeah, I, I steamed all of it. Yeah, steamed everything. Yeah, no, no, I don't it think we really want like to polish on it. It was so it had it was a one owner car, uh -huh. and I guess they must have purchased it or they're selling it for the original. It came from Washington. Never uh -huh. been polished. Never been waxed. Wow. Single stage, came in yellow and uh -huh. left white. <laughs> nice. But it was it was so oxidized. Uh -huh. it, even on my, I did rotary the whole thing because that's one thing with when you're dealing with DAs versus rotary. Um, when you're dealing with a super dry, chalky, 
pain. You can't get it with those. Yeah, yeah, the rotor. Yeah. Or with a orbital. Or and the reason that is is because you got to think how does a rotary versus orbital work? Well, when you're buffing with a, a rotary, what that's doing is it's pushing all the product and the contaminants and everything you're buffing off away. Right. So it gives you clean surface. When we're using a through orbital, it's sucking everything into the center. That's why the center of the pads always get hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So that's one reason why um, dealing with a really super oxidized vehicle, uh-huh. something like that Z car I did was it just didn't work. So it was a five-step job. And even on the last step, well, the fourth step was still chopping up. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until the last step where that finally stopped. And then I ended up putting, you know, um, I uh, did the my CS2 Aqua, which is a spray ceramic. Uh-huh. And I probably put half a bottle on that, which usually a bottle will do like 15 bucks. You know, wow. I, I kept doing more and more. But uh, now, I mean, you can go down to the sports car shop, walk in there, run your fingers across that car, it's gonna feel like glass. Really wild. The, the, the owner over there said, I want it to feel like porcelain. That thing, you can literally go over there, it feels like you're watching porcelain now. But, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for, for doing this. Hey, no problem. I don't know if uh, anybody will learn anything off of it, but. Nah, they just have some fun here, that's what I'm talking yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, the coatings are, are a big deal in the industry. Big correction um, is one thing that a lot of the guys that people coming into the business are listening to uh-huh. on the podcasts or, yeah. you know, the forums and stuff. Uh, the industry is getting away from the correcting of pain. Yeah, yeah. That, which I'm not, I'm against that. I actually started a forum uh, yeah. page where with uh, installers of coatings and paint correction specialists where now we're we have our own thing yeah. because even the even the coating companies are getting away from that because like I sell said more. it's a business. Yeah. You sell more. Yeah. If you can do if all you're doing is a quick polish yeah. or a paint decontamination, you can do three coatings a day versus doing one coating in three days. I can see someone that's like, you know, Magnus Walker type where it's like dirt doesn't make it slow you down and they have a car that's just hammered and they don't worry too much about it. They just wash it and go. But if you're going to make it right, you should make it right. You well, know? I mean, Why are you doing this coating if you're just going to throw yeah. it over the top of something that's not right? Exactly. I mean, here in Eugene, there's yeah. 14, 15 um, detailers mm-hmm. and I bet every single one of them offers ceramic coating. Oh, well, they have so, to. Sure. That's how you want to make it. Yeah, and you know, I mean, a couple of these guys, there's some guys I, I guess have been in the industry for a while. Uh, most of them, you know, haven't. And the part of the industry that anybody can install a ceramic coating. It takes time. I've done tens of them. Yeah, hundreds. It, it takes time to learn how to properly correct a paint job. You know, that's the thing, and we could keep going because I think that you get it to a point where you can see as you're working, as opposed to looking at it afterwards with a flashlight to figure out what's right. Because you'll see people buff it on a panel. They'll buff the whole thing down, they'll wipe it all down, and they'll get the, you know, the light, and they're looking at like, oh, Which lights are great. Yeah, but I've seen you do it, and it seems like you have such a feel for it. You've done it for so long, you've got so much into it that, that well, you can see it as you're going. Well, you know, and it's hard to explain this, but, I'm not seeing, I'm feeling. 
I can feel. Yes. With my machines, I can feel the pain. Uh -huh. I can feel that it's it's ready to move on. I've experienced that with other things, not so much with that. I never got there with that, but I know where you can feel. I, I, I was sometimes driving and I had a car, I had a Celica that was just dialed. Mm -hmm. And I realized one time I was going around a really sharp corner that, that I was not really looking. I was feeling it, you know, with my butt. I was pulling this seat. That's how I could tell the grip. I wasn't looking out the window or feeling the seat was going this way. You were feeling the road. It just you kind of get to that point where you're you're one with the machine. I yeah. guess that's kind of where you got. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I can feel when it's ready. Yeah. You know, and that's why I tell people I can do this car blindfolded yeah. because you know, I mean, I can. I have a pretty good idea. I've done enough cars. I've done enough different cars and and dealt with enough different paint and being a painter uh, spending all those years doing that stuff knowing how paint works I think that gave me a, a gave me a one-up on yeah one absolutely because yeah I you know I, well, I, I, can, I think that's why Optico did so well is his experience with, with paint I think that put them way ahead in that game that's why they were really started in that game it's because of that yeah I, I wouldn't say I would say it did you yeah. know he, um, David is you know he was a worker he was I think he did formulations with the pond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and at the same time, they're moving farther, further away from the detailing and trying to go back into that painting scheme of things. Really? Yeah. yeah which hopefully that works out for them. I don't know. I don't time know. will tell. It will. <laughs> it will. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love the spray. I got a couple of bikes I'm gonna paint this uh, winter. Uh huh. But you know, I mean. Detail doing this stuff is safer than painting, <laughs> you know, and not as expensive on the t on the bottom end, I guess. Yeah, you know, painting it, it's so. satisfying work on on some level to, to make something out of something. You know, I mean, painting's an amazing job. I don't get me wrong, but this is it's a cool thing when you can take something and make it more than it is. Yeah, something that's just thrash. Yeah, you know, when you have customers pick up their car and they're crying because yeah, it looks, yeah, that's uh -huh. satisfying. It's pretty satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. With, with my CS2 coatings and stuff like that, and they're pretty unbelievable. Pretty unbelievable. So, yeah. All right. Okay, so that's episode one with Josh Fuller. What do you think? Who's next? Let me know in the comments. <laughs>